Welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. I'm your host, Phoebe Lay, and I'm so excited that you're here today. On our podcast, we are going to be talking about the things that inspire you in business to help you create a conscious brand that will not only build credibility and give you more opportunities in your business to thrive, but also help you to create in a deliberate, conscious kind of way. This is a place where meaningful conversations will inspire you to create, pursue, and thrive and shine in business. Hello, and welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. Today, I am very, very delighted to bring on Richard Patterson into the show. Richard, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Lovely. Thank you for the invitation. Richard, you are a very, very passionate advocate for humanity and you have done some amazing work and I'm excited for you to explain and share about the organisation that you've created, Basics for Blokes, which is an incredible initiative and you're not only that, but you're also a passionate Melbourne Demon supporter in AFL. You've managed to bring in your passions with AFL and all of that and what you were doing at Basics for Blokes together as well from the conversations that we've had. Now, originally you were a primary school teacher and you had significant experience in sales and sales management for small businesses and large national organizations. You also studied counseling and for many years you were involved professionally in voluntary capacities with various charities. You're a single dad. You've raised your son alone since he was four And he's just turned 21, which would be such a big journey that you've gone through. Tell us a little bit about what you do at Basics for Blokes and how it emerged. Okay, so I won't go into all the sordid, ugly details of what happened with our family, but the stuff that happened ended up with me being involved in family court litigation around the safety of my son for about eight years. And that was really intense and stressful time. And so in the midst of he was the court put him in my care right from the start. And partway along the journey, I was diagnosed with a pre-cancer condition myself. And in the midst of like trying to, obviously it was horrendously expensive. So I had to work my butt off to pay for all the legal costs and all the issues with raising my son as a solo dad and all this stuff that was going on. And I get this pre-cancer diagnosis with my health. And in typical male fashion, I just filed that in the bottom drawer, so to speak. And for two years, I just ignored this health diagnosis that I was given. And I'm in the midst of litigation and I'm doing all stuff in court and I'm working my backside off at work and I'm looking after my son. Well, I've got no time to worry about my health. And then one morning I woke up and I had this profound thought, what happens to Dylan if this becomes cancer? And at that moment, I made a decision to take ownership of my health. And I went through a process, which I won't go into all the details of what happened, but went through a life-changing process, part of which was me losing 46 kilograms. And, you know, I'd been living a very unhealthy lifestyle in the midst of all the stress that I was living through or living with. And so I decided to take ownership of my health. And I just suddenly found out that I actually didn't know what it felt like to be healthy. And it was like quite confronting. And this is a big issue that a lot of people who are unhealthy, because it creeps up on you and you don't realise that there's an alternative. When you haven't felt healthy, you don't understand what it feels like to be healthy. And so you just live in this unhealthy environment or universe. And I suddenly started finding that I had energy to go down to, at that stage, I was living in surface paradise. And I suddenly had energy to go down to the beach and 
kick the footy and play cricket with my son. Stuff that I just hadn't had. I didn't know what it felt like to have energy. So a whole lot of sort of things happened and I ended up, I grew up in Melbourne, but all this happened when I was living up in Queensland and my mum started deteriorating with the onset of dementia. So I came back to Melbourne to help look after her. And I struggled because I'd done a lot of work with not-for-profits and I worked for a children's hospice up in Queensland and I'd previously run a children's charity here in Melbourne for kids that had a dying brother or sister. So I'd done stuff with real purpose. And when, since I came back to Melbourne, I work-wise, I just I struggled to have any sense of purpose. And I saw this quote on Facebook one day that said, go to bed with a dream and wake up with a purpose. And that night I prayed and I asked God to give me a dream that night so that tomorrow I'd wake up with a purpose. And I got this most distinct and profound, detailed dream about a men's TV, a men's health cooking show on for TV. And I got up about three o'clock and I documented it all. And then I put all that together and then I thought really what we need to do is have a charity sitting behind it so that the the TV show can raise awareness about men's health but then have something when when guys suddenly have an interest in their health, we've got to have something we can offer them to progress their health. So then I set up Basics for Blokes as a health promotion charity and then put all the TV show stuff together and as weird as it sounds, just sound weird, it is weird, I got the whole idea of the TV show and I rang IGA Supermarkets or Metcash, who's the, the owning the company that owns IGA Supermarkets, and I rang up their marketing department. I said, I've got this idea for a TV show. I reckon it'd be great if you guys sponsored it. And they're going, oh, this is a fantastic idea. Can you do a Zoom call with us? Because this is during lockdown. They said, can you do a Zoom call with us next week with the whole marketing department? So I hung up the phone. I thought, wow, I haven't even met these people, but we're progressing to the next stage already. And I did a Zoom call with them and they agreed. And so they funded us producing a pilot episode of this TV show, which we'll take to the TV networks and find a home for it and then produce further um, episodes of the TV show. And we've got buy-in from like some of the AFL royalty Simon Madden is absolute legend of AFL-VFL football from Essendon. He's passionately involved because his dad died at a young, actually before Simon and Justin as brothers played over 700 games of AFL-VFL football. And because their dad had poor health and didn't look after himself and died early, he didn't see one of those games that his boys played. And so Simon's very passionate about men's health. And Jared Roughhead, who recently played for Hawthorne, has had a been through a journey with cancer. And so he's actually the first guest on our TV show. So that was how it all sort of came about. And the purpose of what Basics for Blokes exists for is just like I had no idea how important it was for me to own my health, I just drifted along and now I'm really passionate about encouraging and empowering men to take ownership of their health. Wow. And if not for them, like for me, it was all about my son. It was for the sake of Dylan. It was Dylan needed me well. And every man on this planet has somebody or some people that need him well. And that's really the journey that I want to go on and I want to promote. So that's like in a nutshell. And the main thing that we're encouraging and empowering men to do is to actually start talking to each other about their health because that's the first step of taking ownership of your health is actually having the courage and the capacity and the capability of talking about your health with other blokes. Absolutely. So can you tell us 
about what exactly basics for blokes is and what you do and who do you help? Okay, so we're very much in our infancy. So next year we're launching a couple of programs. So up until now I've been spending quite a bit of time on all the governance and all the back-end stuff of setting up a charity, which is no mean feat, and getting people on the board and getting professional advisors to make sure that the last thing I want to do is just be working on a good idea. This has to be a good idea that actually helps people. So I've got a lot of, like, Professor Bob Thomas, who was the head of surgery at the Peter McCallum Cancer Hospital. He's actively involved in what we're doing because he's seen men getting diagnosed with serious health conditions and just not knowing how to manage. So we've got guys like him involved and we've got like a really good accountant and legal advisor and so I've kind of been building the team. And next year, as well as the TV show, we're starting an online program which we'll then take out into the workspaces and that's called the Cavemen Program. And that's an acronym for Caring, Available, Validating and Empathetic Men. Wow. So the whole idea is teaching these guys how to create space where it's safe for their mates to talk about their health. Because that's the thing that most men are concerned about is, is this actually going to be safe? What if I, am I going to be chastised or teased if I talk about my health? So what we're teaching blokes to do is create a safe space so their mates know that they can have open frank conversations about their health and also we're starting a program of called the what program which is walk and talk time so we guys get together at a regular time each week as a group and go for a walk which is good for their health but the specific focus while they're walking is to talk to each other about their health so it's just starting dialogue and then things like once the confidence in each other grows, they can start asking other guys to hold them accountable for some of their health objectives. Like if a guy, say, feels like he's drinking too much, he might say to his mate, you know, I think really I need to stop drinking during the week. And his mate says, okay, well, I'll hold you accountable for that next week when we get together. How did you go? Oh, I didn't. Three days but not the five. That's fantastic. Great progress. So one of the things that I want to do is I want to encourage celebrating progress, not waiting till we've got perfection. Absolutely. So that's a real something that I'm very passionate about is seeking progress, not perfection. So I guess there's two guiding principles or philosophies that undergird everything we do. One is to pursue progress, not perfection. And the second one is the philosophy of it being better to build fences at the top of the cliff instead of running an ambulance service at the bottom. So we want guys to start taking action on their health before it's so that it's proactive and not waiting till it's reactive. Um, so they're the two kind of help programs. So I'm trying to keep it really simple. And that's why we've called it Basics for Blokes. So Richard, when you are out there speaking with men about their health and when you or when you come across a male that has just been diagnosed with a significant diagnosis or something that has a poor prognosis what is the general reaction that you find how do men typically respond in that kind of scenario one of the things is and look at it may not be gender specific, but I'm just going by guys that I've journeyed with, is that what I find is that they there's only one chance to share about, one opportunity to share about health. And if that doesn't work, then they lose trust and they just keep it to themselves. And that's one of the things that Professor Bob Thomas was saying is the stress that it causes by holding something in and keeping it to yourself 
is really unhelpful in the healing journey. So that's why he's a great advocate of what we're doing is to actually get. But the important thing is to make that first experience a safe one so that the guy that's sharing something is, and one of the problems with men is that we tend to feel when somebody comes to us with a problem that we've got to provide a solution and we've got to solve something. But most of the time, most of us just want somebody to listen and say and validate, you know, say things like, gosh, mate, that must be tough. Oh, geez, you're doing better than I would. I don't know how you cope with that. Like I'm not giving advice. I'm just validating that stuff you're going through is tough and give yourself, cut yourself some slack, you know, like and validating the challenge that they're facing and then just having that sort of availability to actually sit there without your phone, not checking text messages and sending messages and checking Facebook posts while somebody's talking to you, but actually sit there and give them your attention and not give advice but just give them a platform to give the narrative, give to externalise their internal narrative. That makes sense? Yeah, that does. And I think that it's a really great reminder, especially for women to understand what their partners are going through, for example, or their fathers or their sons, and to be able to have that conversation without making the other person feel like they're unwell or they're different or that your perception of them has changed and to bring about normality to it as well. I think that what you've just shared is a really wonderful key to a lot of conversations that, because I remember when we caught up, Richard, and you were telling me about the way men sit, you were telling me about the way they sit next to each other. But women, when we catch up, we sit facing each other. And the way the conversation is a bit different. And I think you were sharing about how a mother and her son were talking on their way to a, in the car on the way somewhere and how much conversation came up that way as opposed to when you're facing the person and it might be a completely different feeling. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that the instance you're referring to is I'm the chaplain at Montrose Footy Club and so I have lots to do with obviously young blokes that are playing footy and their family and I just noticed that a lot of these mums would share about how they didn't feel as close to their sons when they got their license and they're going oh you know now that he's got his independence and everything I said just hold on a sec I actually think it might be something else and What generally happens with a mother and son is that most of the meaningful conversations happen when they're in the car. So when the son's sitting in the passenger seat and mum's driving. So the male will feel willing to be open and share much more when he's next to the person he's talking to. So these boys or these mums, every time they're taking their sons to footy training or driving them around, that's when the meaningful conversations took place. And because now the son's got his own car and he's driving, the mum doesn't have those meaningful conversations anymore. So I said, suggested to a lot of these mums, maybe ask your son if, if he can come with you or he takes you, go out and have a coffee or something, but get back in the car because that's where the conversations take place. And you've only got to look at when men communicate, like at the pub you know, like up at the bar next to each other, that's when they'll talk. Or when they go fishing on a jetty or off the side of a boat, they're next to each other. Or when they're walking down the fairway while they're playing golf, they're next to each other. And even like when the footy or the cricket, they're sitting next to each other and that's when the conversations take place. And this is where we get a lot of friction and problem with the male and female communication modalities or the communication styles are quite different. The female partner wants to sit face-to-face and have an intimate conversation. The bloke kind of feels, get out of my face. It's confronting. 
like you sit next to the couch and talk to me. And, you know, this is often what happens when guys are confronted with a health diagnosis and their well-meaning partner or mother or daughter or any caring person of the female gender wants to sit and face-to-face have this conversation, but the guy feels often feels quite, get out of my space, you're intimidating me, feeling cramped. And so they're the kind of things, once again, like that is so basic, like that we could probably change half the marriages in Australia if that simple message came out. And I discovered that a lot when I was working with families that had dying kids was that mum and dad would both want to discuss the journey of the child, but they had completely different approaches to what they were comfortable about talking, how they wanted to talk about a difficult situation and obviously with heightened emotions and stuff anyway. And it caused confrontation at the very time when when mum and dad need to be united. A lot of it was because of this, like mum's perceiving that dad not wanting to sit across the table and talk is that he's not engaged and dad's feeling like, well, mum's getting in my face, like get out of my face. And then this, they actually both want the same outcome, but there's this communication tension, like the two North Poles coming to each other and it's causing sort of this friction and the traction rather than traction. And it's so simple. And yet, like you look at it in the workplace, you know, the old water cooler conversations and you watch the female staff will go and face each other while they're, you know, talking. But the blokes will tend to, like the girls will pour their water and then face their workmate and talk. The guys will watch the water and talk so that their focus is on something else. And it's not being rude. It's just how we're wired differently. So, and that's part of the caveman program is that we want to teach guys how to have those, how to create that space where it's safe for their mates to talk about their health. I think that what you have created, Richard, is something that is so needed in these times because I have not so far anyway, not heard of an initiative where people can bring men together to talk about their health. I think that the fact that you've made it a space that's specific to men to come together, because sometimes I think women, we're more comfortable with discussing things more openly, not not all, but some. And sometimes the men kind of miss out because they're needing to be the strong ones. They're needing to be the supporters, the providers, and they are almost that it's more difficult for them to come out and share about these things. So the fact that you've created this platform is incredible. Tell us about the show, the cooking show, because I'd love to know, to hear about what's on your plate and to know how we can find it and when is it coming out and what's it all about? Yeah, so each episode will have two guests. One of them will be a male celebrity that's had a health challenge that they've conquered. And the second one will be each episode will have a different chef. And so the guest will arrive and we're doing it GJ Gardner Homes have very generously donated the use of one of their display homes for us to film in. Oh, perfect. So what we want to do is we want to actually do it in a domestic kitchen so that any guy that's watching the show can go, geez, I can do that. Like we don't want it in a fancy. We actually got offered some amazing studios with kitchens and cameras all over the joint and all that. But that's not what we want. We actually want a show where guys can watch it and say, I can do that. So we're using a domestic kitchen. So the guests will arrive in some sort of fancy car and the car dealership will have a representative driving the car and it might be a 2020 Ferrari that's $700,000 worth or something. 
or it could be like a James Bond type of Aston Martin, or it might be a 1956 soft top Mercedes, just an absolute classic. Each week will be a different car that's interesting and the representative from the dealership will do an overview of the car a bit like Top Gear TV show so that then there's that sort of male interest and then the, the guest then will go to the kitchen and be introduced to the chef and the chef will then teach the guest a particular style of cooking. So to put context around it for the, the pilot episode, we've got Jared Roughhead who used to play for Hawthorne and now is one of the coaches at St Kilda. He's our guest and he'll talk about his journey with fighting and overcoming cancer. And the chef is from the public brewery restaurant in Croydon and he's going to teach Jared the principles of gluten-free cooking. So it's like with a health element to it, but about the principles So it's not just about this is how you make this recipe. It's about this is how you cook so that it's gluten-free and and the things that you avoid and how you replace them and all that, how you substitute that for that and whatever. And then whilst that's all happening, there'll be lots of banter, like with Jared, telling funny stories about what happened during his footy career and all that sort of stuff. And then when the cooking part's finished, Jared will sit down on the couch with me in the lounge room of the display home and we'll have like just a bloke's chat next to each other (laughs) so we won't do this face-to-face interview we'll actually do bloke talk sitting on the couch next to each other and then I'll talk through the journey Jared's sort of internal journey with his health challenge so like what happened inside of you when the doctor the words cancer came out of the doctor's mouth what happened inside of you then what was the first thing you did when you left the doctor's office how did you tell your wife how did you break the news to your teammates how did your teammates react what were some of the things that guys did with good intent that were unhelpful but what are some of the things that you did find helpful and that kind of conversation and then because the show will only go for half an hour we'll actually have a full length tutorial by the chef which will be available through our website after the show and also we'll have the full length interview with the guest available through our website after the show so that's how that's going to happen and we start we'll be filming that in February and then finding a home for it with one of the free-to-air networks and then that'll be go to air I imagine probably July or August next year So for a six-week, initially we'll do a six-week series. So I can hardly sleep at night. I'm so excited about it. And it's so unique. Like nearly everybody I talk to just goes, wow, that's just so different. And you think with the myriad of cooking shows on TV that there actually isn't one that's even similar to this. So, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, that's fantastic. And in 2020... Do you think that like there is going to be, especially now that you bring in this show and what the work that you've been doing at Basics for Blokes, do you see there being a shift in the upcoming year or in the next few years in the way we approach our health and also men approach the conversation about their health? Absolutely. I think one of the dilemmas and challenges that I face in this arena is that government funding requires that you measure your impact the problem with what we're doing is a lot of what we're doing is preventative and proactive and it's very difficult to measure that so governments are not interested in the work we're doing so if you're say for example with a specific don't want to i don't want to put a name forward but if you're providing a support for a certain condition, you've got a a specific demographic that's your target for people with X, Y, Z condition. And if you can show that those, through your intervention, the 
from diagnosis to death, that period of time is increasing, the government will fund you because there's a measurement. We can't measure what we're doing. Like, logically, you can, but there's no currency of measurement of the benefits of what we're doing. So it's really hard to create a community benefit organisation from a funding perspective to make it commercially viable. So we're taking a big risk with what we're doing because I don't think that we'll attract government funding because of the nature of what we're doing. And you can't put in a test tube what we're doing and put a drop of some tester in and shake it around and it turns blue and it says that you've succeeded. And the other thing which I'm absolutely passionately committed to is that we're not supporting a specific condition or a specific set of conditions because my philosophy is that Phoebe's most important definition of health is Phoebe's definition. So the most important definition of health for you is your definition. So in none of our stuff will you find a definition of what we mean by health, and that's deliberate because it's all about what that means to you. And the only thing that the only clarification I would put around health is that the the substitute word for that is well-being. And it's not about mental health. It's not about physical health. It's not about emotional health because you take something like, I'd love us to be helping guys with problems with addiction. Where does that fit? Is that mental health or is that physical or is that emotional? I don't care. There's a problem. Their well-being is compromised. So we want to help. So therefore, we've pulled all the fences down and we've opened the farm and we're not putting people into paddocks. And that's quite risky because if you're after a particular condition, and one of the things that I feel that I know as a male, maybe it's as a human, but I think it's more specifically as a male, I am sick and tired of being told by every different disease support organisation, go out and have this test, go and do that, go and have a stool sample set in to check if you've got bowel cancer and have a PSA test and whatever ugly test they do to check if your prostate's okay. And we're forever being hammered with all this stuff. Go and do this. Go and do that. And I reckon there's health instruction fatigue out in the marketplace. We're sick of being told what to do in every condition, and they are passionate about their cause and they are important. But if we could get underneath all of that and get people to own their health, they would go and do those tests. And they don't need to be told what specific test. They'll go to the doctor and say, what do I need? I've just turned 50. What are the things that I need to be taking precautions against? What do I need to be checked? I've got a mate who I went to school with whose brother had a colonoscopy and they discovered some polyps in his bowel. And my mate's a veteran soccer player and he just had a knee reconstruction. So he's at the doctor's having his knee looked at. And he says, oh, my brother just had these polyps found from a colonoscopy. Is that something I should go and have a test for as well? Like, is that genetic? And he's there for his knee, but he has a discussion about his general health. And the doctor said, yeah. So they booked him in for a colonoscopy. Guess what? They found a stage one tumour in his bowel. Oh, no. Which they removed with total success. If he hadn't have had that colonoscopy and waited 12 months, that he might have only had 12 months to live. But that was him having ownership of his health and said it wasn't following something that was sent in the mail telling him to have this test or that. It was him just being sensible, owning his health and saying to his doctor, what should I do? And just going back to a point that we were talking about before with the male and female thing, it's one of the things that disturbs me is the number of times you hear these stories about men who, oh, look, you know, he wasn't sick, had no symptoms, and just suddenly he had a heart attack and dropped dead. And I was talking to a mate of mine that's a doctor a while ago, and I said, 
how come it's never women that just suddenly have no symptoms, just suddenly had a heart attack and dropped dead? And he said, because the man probably had symptoms but didn't do anything about them, whereas the women are more programmed to go to the doctor. So you think, like, you know, when girls go through adolescence and puberty as their body changes, most of them have cause to go to the doctor to have assistance with that process that's happening to their body. And then when they get pregnant, they have to go to the doctor. And then when they have the baby, they've got to go to the doctor. And then when the baby grows up, mum's the one that generally takes the kids to the doctor. So women are quite comfortable and conditioned to go into the doctor, even when there's not anything wrong, but just the monitoring. Blokes aren't like that. So you get a symptom, oh, you know, a bit of London to a brick. These guys allegedly just dropped dead with heart attacks. I bet they've had gastric reflux or they've had a pain in their arm or they've had shortness of breath when they're walking up a hill. The symptoms actually were there, but they don't go to the doctor until they're half dead if they get to the doctor on time. So they're the sort of things that if we just get men just generically taking ownership of their health, they'll be having these conversations with their doctor or the pharmacist. When you're going to buy your neurofin at the chemist because you're getting these pains in your arm, talk to the pharmacist and say, I keep getting these pains in my arm. That can be one of the first signs that you've got a heart problem. So talk to someone and then we're going to have better men. We're going to have healthier men. We're going to have healthier dads. We're going to have healthier sons, healthier husbands, healthier partners. And we can be the men that we're meant to be, be the dads we're meant to be, be the sons we're meant to be, be the husbands and the partners we're meant to be. All comes back to actually taking ownership of our health. And even if it's not for us, who relies on me being healthy? That's the question men need to ask. Who's relying on me being healthy? Answer that question and suddenly health matters. That is such powerful words. And I think that what you've just shared, you know, that has not only come from heart, Richard, but I really think that you get something from something divine. Like I feel like the way you operate and what you've put together is something way beyond one man's power because you've not only gotten one of the largest supermarkets in Australia to jump on board and and promote and pay for the show, but you've made some huge impacts and you've what you are creating is ultimately changing the lives of people and their families. And there's going to be a ripple effect to how not only people talk about their health or but also how they respond to their bodies and how they respond to their partners when when something like that happens and there's going to be significant changes or even chaos in the family. And I think that's great. I think that that is so important that people understand this, discuss this, share about this and really have more awareness towards it. And I I just, this is something birthed in me that I have a responsibility to deliver. And I guess if we use the analogy of birth, this this message has been conceived and it's going through the development stage and I believe we're getting close to the a lot of the struggles I'm having like aligned with labour pains in the midst of this message getting delivered because we, so much of the health, and this is where it's beautiful that somebody like me who's not a health professional is doing this stuff, is that I'm doing it at street level. It's not technical. I'm just keeping it accessible and it applies to everybody with a heartbeat this message is applicable to. And it's not like creating statistics saying this many blokes get such and such a condition, so therefore you need to go and have this test to see if you've got it. We would be full-time getting health tests if we followed every specific illness groups 
message, what we need to do is we need to make this thing generic and make it simple. And I think the primary thing is to say, who needs you to be at your best? Because we're created to be, to live in community and in relationship. And there's no stronger driver than to me know somebody needs me well, which is how this whole thing started for me, was I needed to get well for the sake of my little boy needed a dad and he needs the best dad that I can be to him and apply that to any relationship that matters to you. And that's, I recently spoke, and anybody listening to this, please ask me to come and speak to your group. I don't care where you are or if you can't afford it, you don't have to pay. It's not a dollar thing. I just want to get in front of as many people as I can with a message that who needs you healthier than you are now? That's and I was doing a corporate presentation for um, Men's Health Week earlier in the year and I had all the male staff from this company in the room and I said, typical blokes are all hanging it on me and making fun of me and all that when I started. And then I got to the point where I said, okay, hands up who here has got kids? And interestingly, every guy, it was like a building inspection sort of company. So most of them were experienced tradesmen and that. So they're kind of a fathering age. So who's got kids? And every bloke in the room put his hand up. And I said, leave your hand up if you want your kids to have a dad in five years. And there was just like deathly silence in the room. And I said, what's your plan to fulfil that desire? There was silence because none of them have ever thought of it like that. They work their butt off and then they go and have beers and they eat McDonald's and do whatever and they're actually killing themselves. And they never stop to think, I keep doing that. In five years, my kids may not have a dad if I keep up on the journey that I'm going on. And I guess that's my message. Let's just stop for a minute. Who needs you to be at your best health? And then suddenly there's a reason to own your health. Wow, that is so significant. And Richard, thank you so much for what you have shared with us today. I am so looking forward to hearing more about how Basics for Blokes is changing the lives of Australian families And I'm also really, really looking forward to see what's cooking as well or what's on the plate and hearing and seeing you speak more in the upcoming year. Now, Richard, I've got some rapid fire questions, if you don't mind, for me to ask you. And I'm really looking forward to diving into these with you. So let's get into it. Now, if there was one thing that you cannot live a single day without, whether it's something that is physical or whether that's something, it's something that's not, could be tangible or not, what would it be? Feeling that I've made some positive contribution to humanity every day. Wow, that's huge. I wish everyone gave a similar answer. That is such an inspiring response and yeah that's massive I think that we all need to live that way in order to feel fulfilled and who is the person who inspired you to do what you do today what or who inspires you the most I'll go out dangerous waters here and I'll say Jesus oh beautiful I want to be like him That is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, rapid fire question number three. Where do you see yourself in five years or where do you see Basics for Blokes in five years' time? My big dream for Basics for Blokes is to have a retreat property where guys can just get away from the white noise of life and work out what's important to them, particularly from a health perspective. So. One of my dreams is to have a property where, and I'm working on this with Professor Bob Thomas, 
So that, say, for example, when a guy gets a really serious diagnosis of cancer, that there's a place where he can just pack his overnight bag and he can get away from all the influences and outside noises and voices and just sit in solitude or with somebody that will listen, not advise, we won't provide advice, but somebody just to listen or to go for a walk with just as he downloads and brings his internal narrative external. And also one of the things that involved with all this health, men's health journey as well, one of the things I'd love to use our property for is to train young men in leadership and healthy leadership because I think we've really got a leadership void in society right now and to get, say, from particularly from some of the elite private schools and maybe, you know, like get next year's prefects, come and stay with us for four days so we can help you understand what it is to be a man and to be a male leader in our future society. I know it's not quite health, but it's the health of society. I think we need men to learn how to be better leaders. Look at all the stuff, all the crap that's happening in politics. They are such bad examples of men leading. Like how devastating at Parliament House, which is the leadership palace of our country, women don't feel safe working there. That's disgusting. The only way we can change that is to teach young men what being an honourable man in leadership looks like. So that's I want to. That's my dream. And within five years, I want us to have a retreat that we can have, like multi-dimensional, but just have it there and it be something that people don't have to pay to come to, so that there's no financial restriction. If somebody needs to be driven there, we'll have a whole bunch of volunteers that will go and pick them up and take them there if that's what they need, their condition. Like, I sort of think, where's the space that somebody gets diagnosed with, say, Parkinson's disease? That's heavy duty. And it's, yes, the psychologist and the social worker, they're all, like, helpful, but where do you go to slow down and stop and have that internal narrative? Instead of being all this external stuff, where do I go to get rid of the white? I want to create that space. That sounds amazing. I think that that can happen in less than five years. And I'm going to make sure that I introduce you to some people that will assist with making that happen because I would love to see retreats like that occur in all different parts of Australia. And there's actually a lady who I met earlier this year And she runs retreats specifically for women that have been through domestic abuse and domestic violence. And you see these women transform their lives after literally just a weekend away together and they come back so empowered and it's such an amazing transformation. And I think retreats are a really great way of getting people to come out whole again and in community. So, yeah, I'd love to introduce you to some people. And even that brings up an interesting point. Two years ago, I used to do a run a counselling workshop program for guys that have been convicted of violent crime and they had to come and do the program with me or go to jail. So they, um, and it was really interesting that the way that we manage the male, not all, I've got to be very careful how I say this, a lot of, the guys who are are the perpetrators of domestic violence are incredibly tangled up and messed up within themselves. So instead of punishing them, what if we went for a two-hour walk with a guy like that out in the Yarra Valley and said, what snaps inside of you when you get violent, mate? Because I believe in the goodness of humanity. I don't care what somebody does to other people At the core of who they are, they want to be a decent person. But there's hindrances, and my counselling practice was always to assume that everybody's doing the best with what they've got. 
And if they're making a mess of life, it's they need to be retooled. It's like sending a plumber out to fix a blocked toilet and sending him out in an electrician's van. He's got the wrong tools. He'll possibly be able to unblock the toilet, but if you send him out in his plumber's van, he'd fix it. And if he goes out with the electrician's van, it's going to be a struggle. That's the picture of life. Most people who are stuffing up are stuffing up because they don't have the tools to get unstuffed. I'd love to be able to help in that area too because that's all about health. Definitely. Definitely. Richard, my last rapid-fire question is, this is going to be a deep one because, and I know that your answer is partly already in this podcast episode, but if you could leave the world with one message, what would it be? Uncover who you're meant to be and who you're meant to serve. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much, Richard, for all that you do in this world and in the community and also for sharing and coming on the show today. How can people connect with you? And is there anything else that you, any parting message that you want to share before we close the show? I would love every person that hears this to go to our website, which is Basics to Blokes, which you can see at the back, B-A-S-I-X and the number four blokes. Dot org and send us a message requesting being added to our mailing list because the bigger we make our mailing list, we can actually sell sponsorship in our newsletter. But the bigger the base we send it to, the more we can earn from the sponsorship of that newsletter. But also that I want to really create a newsletter that is valuable not that it's not technical but some little snippets of stuff in condensed form that is usable for everybody every month so it's basicsforblokes.org and just send us through an email saying asking to add to the the list in february we launch our monthly newsletter Amazing. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Richard. And again, for anyone that wants to connect with Richard, please jump on the show notes to find the website and the link for Basics for Blokes and get in touch with Richard. Make sure that you jump on the mailing list because that's going to make a huge impact. And it's something really small that you can do today to stay informed, stay connected, and also to help Richard and the Basics for Blokes initiative to get a lot further. Thank you so much again for listening to those that subscribe and tune in on a regular basis. And Richard, thank you again for being on our show. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.